Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Diversity Matters Show, the podcast where every voice is welcome and every story is celebrated. Join Mike and his guest as they deep dive into the heart of inclusion, equity and diversity. They explore where the real change is happening and open up honest dialogue that touches on various DE and I subjects. From inspiring conversations to challenging ones, with the hope of sparking thought-provoking discussions. Now, here's your host, Mike Seeley. Hello, and welcome to the Diversity Matters podcast show. My guest this week is Alex Robinson. Alex is a wife and mother who was born and grew up in Slovakia. She studied journalism and marketing at university. She then moved to the UK 17 years ago and is currently working full-time for financial advisors. Alex is a friend and someone I met at a local gym as part of what I call the 6am club, a very small group of regular early morning gym goers who turn up for a workout, rain or shine. Her nine-year-old son is autistic with special needs and today we are discussing the experiences of neurodiversity through the eyes of a parent. Alex, welcome to Diversity Matters. Hi. <laughs> Great. Can we let's start off actually? Because um, I mentioned that you were born and you grew up in Slovakia. Tell me what it was like growing up in Slovakia. I mean, um, the life is very, very different. My husband would describe it as uh, like an England 30 years ago. I had a quite happy childhood, but um, it uh, had a very, very simple lives and joys um, um as a child you know I, I didn't know what it is to have um, my own tv or uh, have a playstation or any kind of things it was just um simple childhood outside uh, in the streets um in a park yeah just simple things in life which i still try to enjoy to a certain extent mm-hmm. because it's something what i notice lots of people forgot so i'm trying <laughs> to bring it into our life where my husband very often is like yeah i'm not entirely sure it works babes most of us will actually say a simple childhood typically was a very happy childhood it was it was i can't complain i mean um don't get me wrong i don't come from um, a family who was uh, wealthy we would say uh, we were like a middle class and my parents really tried hard to provide for me and my brother. But um, we did not have any luxuries. You know, the yeah. first holiday I had abroad was uh, when I was 18 and I earned my own money and um, I was able to afford it. But until then, everything was just, um, you know, very simple. And um, I-, I grew up to be quite happy with things I had rather yeah. than uh, wishing for, for more. Yeah. And you went on to study journalism and marketing. Why did you choose that as a a subject at university? I loved writing. Originally, I wanted to be a vet, but my mum put me (laughs) off quite quite a bit. She said, six years of studying and you would have to have your head completely in the books for all those six years. I thought, I actually do enjoy writing. I I can talk for England. (laughs) So... um, (laughs) I was trying to use my language to express myself. So um, I, I thought that would be a great way to travel because mm-hmm. I always uh, thought, you know, with the journalism, you get around the world. I genuinely enjoyed it. It was five years of studying, uh, five years of university, but um, it was um, something I really enjoyed. <laughs> Excellent. And you eventually moved to the UK as 17 years ago. What, what made you choose the UK? 
So um, after I finished university, uh, three months later, me and my best friend uh, decided, oh, let's try England. We can learn a little bit of language. We thought um, coming here for a year would be a great fun and um, experience. We would learn language and uh, save up a little bit of money to start something little back at home. But a year later, we realized that our language wasn't great and we didn't have enough money to start anything. So we thought, let's stay for another year. And here I am, 17 years later. And married. And, and married. a young son. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, life sometimes throws things at you you don't expect, but it's great. It's yeah. um, something I didn't expect, but I appreciate every single day in here. Let's move on to your son. He's nine years old. What was it like when he was when he was first born? What were those early years like for you? I actually had a high risk pregnancy, and I had some complication during the pregnancy. So um, when he was born, everything what was happening going forward um, always was uh, put together with uh, my high risk pregnancy. So um, he never couldn't quite settle. When he was first born, um, he had clustered feeding. So for three months, I didn't even see his face because he was constantly latching. And um, um, and my husband said, you know, can I actually share our child? Um, so I said, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> he needs to eat. And then um, when he got to them uh, about six months old, children starting to sit down, he was quite delayed with that. So um Every uh, milestone or every progress you would expect in a certain stages of his life, there was always a delay to it. So he was late uh, sitting down, he was late uh, walking, um, he was late uh, speaking. Mm-hmm. So, um, but um, you know, my mother-in-law um, had uh, six children, and she always tried to reassure me. You know, everything is fine. I had six kids they all take it in their own time and um so you know it was it was good to hear but you're still trying to compare yourself with other parents and their children so um i wasn't always 100 percent sure she's right but um you know she gave me a confidence that everything is going to be fine and um we just um carried on as we were so and then it came to the time when he started school and then when it was actually first time pointed to us that um, something is not quite right with him. Mm-hmm. So um, so who pointed yeah, that out to was... you? So Max started reception class um, in expected age of four um, and um, um, it was his uh, class teacher at the time when um, after uh, finishing um, reception uh, year, um, she said that uh, she's got the concerns that uh, something is not quite right. right. And um, I sort of could uh, relate to her what she was saying, but I could not quite define what it was. Um, and uh, she said she feels like um, he's got a lack of understanding what is expected from him or mm. he doesn't quite always understand the question he's asked yeah. and he gives you completely different answers. So um she suggested it would be a good thing in uh, after some holidays following year to perhaps have him uh, observed by, by a psychologist. Mm-hmm. So um, as it happened in year one, Max has been observed by an um, educational psychologist. And it was also as a result of him not being too able to settle in a class. So because um, his language hasn't been still quite developed, um, very often he he used to be physical. So let's say they were 
putting their coats on a, on their own peg. And if there were children around him and he felt a little bit um, suffocated by those mm. kids, he was not able to ask them, can you please give me a space or can you make sure that I can put my coat yeah. on? He would just push them away. Well, at that point, um, his teacher in year one, she actually thought he's just being naughty, which we thought mm, doesn't quite sit with us because we don't see that at home. So they had a really strange way of letting children know that they've done something wrong. They had this um, yellow and red card reinforcement for their behavior. So um, yellow card was a warning and uh, red card was, um, you know, you've been really naughty. Mm. Also, he did not understand what was going on. So coming to pick up time at three o'clock in the afternoon, he's walking out with a yellow card where maybe other children would be upset about it. He's coming out. Oh, mommy, I've got a yellow card. For us, it was funny because Mm -hmm. he did not understand that this is the way they're trying to maybe not punish him, but to let him know that he needs to improve his behavior. Mm. Then a few months into the year one, actually, school uh, invited an educational psychologist who observed Max. Uh, She came to the conclusion that Max had a global development delay me being really naive to what does it even mean, we were called into the meeting and they tried to explain to us um, what it means. So um, at that time, uh, Senko at school was the lady who was uh, very well experienced and she sat down with me and my husband and she tried to explain to us that it's almost like a Max's filing system in his brain Mm -hmm. is not working. So if he receives the information, his brain is desperately trying to find uh, the folder where to um, uh, file that information. And very often that information gone into the different file and that created in his brain something, either frustration or perhaps a non-understanding. So the life for him became quite challenging at school at that point. And he became more and more frustrated in the class. And they kept saying he's just being naughty. So this was year one? Yeah. yeah. What, what year is he in now? He is now in the year. He just finished year four. Okay. And um, we finally achieved after three and a half years of um, fighting with the local authority that he's been accepted to special needs school uh, because the severity of his needs actually can't be met in a typical mainstream school. Right. Um, so it's been it's been challenged for past three years. Yeah. As he's kind of gone through school for, you know, through year one, year two, year three, the teachers were actually saying that really he was just a misbehaving child, even though you had a psychologist that had actually recognised some of his needs and requirements are you saying that the school didn't really take that on board and they were really just seeing him as a a disruptive child so that's it's combination of things so in Mm. one way you are completely right they used to see him as a naughty child but also um going a little bit back to year one uh when he was observed by uh educational psychologists then obviously um as the year went on covid hit uh, in 2020 uh, course, yeah. and um, 
we were actually told that um, due to Max's um, global development delay diagnosis, he might be entitled of um, EHCP, which is Educational Healthcare Plan, which can uh, get the funding for school to provide mm-hmm. the support uh, he needs in a school. So because of the COVID and people cannot meet, uh, couldn't meet face to face, We've done all the meetings and all the all the observations over the phone. So, in fact, um, his EHCP was approved without him actually being physically seen by anyone. Right. So it was a strange situation, even though we've been grateful that he got EHCP because this seems to be the biggest challenge for all the children with special needs. We sort of felt like there was a lack of explanation what it even means to us and to him. When the children returned back to school, he found it really, really difficult to Mm -hmm. settle in school. After a long period of being at home, we could not educate him at home. There was no such thing as a homeschooling for us um, because uh, my job was considered as a, that I needed to be in in the office. So uh, it was a key person so your, job. your job was an so office-based job be, that's that's right so right. Uh, i wasn't at home um, at all and my husband was working from home so obviously he could only spend so much time with max to try to give him some sort of education but we really quickly realized it's not going to work mm-hmm. max never quite link home with learning so to him uh home was home home yes. was a happy place and uh, school was for learning. So we really not, we did not achieve any kind of learning during that period. But when he returned back to school, the things got worse than it was prior to COVID. So we saw a big struggle in him to settle in a, in mm. a class, which came out in his behavior. Um, because of uh, his speech impediment, he could not quite explain how he felt. Yeah. And part of his EHCP was that he was uh, supposed to be receiving play therapy, which was um, a therapy where through the play, um, he was able to communicate his uh, feelings, mm-hmm. which worked absolutely amazingly. And um, he was able to tell his psychologist or therapist how he feels. But that was session for 45 minutes once a week. And the uh, rest of the week, he was just placed in a, in a class of 30 children who were like a little bees buzzing behind his mm-hmm. head. And um, there was a teacher talking to him in a really strange language, which he could not understand. And so his frustration came up in a way that he started either running around the school or he started being really uh, unpleasant to his teaching assistant. That basically led to him being excluded almost on a daily basis oh. and um, several meetings with the head of school several meetings with the senko to try to find a solution to this we strongly disagreed what school was saying um, they just kept repeating themselves that he's naughty and uh, the most upsetting thing for us was probably the fact that they were blaming his behavior on a bad parenting oh wow so they were trying to actually blame us for Mm -hmm. his outbursts in the school where at that point i think the uh our relationship with school became really poisonous Mm -hmm. it was really unhealthy because we didn't believe that they are actually helping us they were not communicating with the local authority 
properly because he had the EHCP plan. This goes for a review every year to see if uh, his need increased Mm -hmm. or perhaps decreased. But school was unable to actually provide enough evidence for local authority to show them that they can no longer meet his needs. So school was saying to us, actually, we believe that if you move him to another mainstream school, it will be fresh start for him and um, he might do much better. And we said, you can't possibly say that. If you can't meet his needs, and he's a child who's been attending this school for past four years, it's something he's very familiar with. He's never going to do well in a bigger school with the children he never met, with the teachers who never met him. And it was an impossible task. And I think because we declined that offer, the school started driving his permanent exclusion by excluding him from wow. uh, uh, school so, on a daily basis. So tell me, you you know you're in a full time job with your son at school being excluded on a regular basis. I mean, tell me, what was that like for you personally? How did it make you you feel, Mike? I was in a right state. I was um, dropping Max off to school, 8.30, arrived to work, 9 o'clock. By 9.20, my phone went and I was told to come and pick Max up because yet another day where he started running around the school and they were telling us we have no staff to try to uh, designate one person just to follow him around the school and we can't keep him um, uh, content. You have to come and pick him up. And so I'm ever so grateful to to my boss mm. to allow me to go and pick him up, to go to all the meetings, to try to find a solution with the school. But it was incredibly stressful. The most stressful part was that no matter how many emails I've sent to local authority, no matter how many meetings I attended, or no matter how many phone calls I've made, everywhere where I turned around, someone shut the door in front of my face and it became so it was just if I tell you that towards the end where I felt like actually um I'm not getting anywhere it you start having such a dark thoughts Mm. almost suicidal thoughts because you feel like he is the my priority and I still cannot provide for him what he needs yeah you know the, the most simple thing every single child deserves is education and because they could not understand him and they did not understand his needs they just blamed it on on him being naughty on us that our our parenting is uh bad and they just wanted to get rid of him as sad as it is that was the case and i do believe they did try at some point but towards the end they completely given up and mm. the solution for him for them was to just um ex- exclude him on a daily basis until they reach certain number of days by law which allows them to uh permanently exclude him from so, school with all of that then why do you think that they couldn't provide the necessary assessment and report to the local authority that stated that max would need to have these special needs, you know, who'd need to go to a a school that would provide the right level of support to him? That's a really good question, Mike. Um, I'll jump a little bit forward after his his exclusion. He was placed into 
PRU, which stands for Pupil Referral Unit, which has got really, really bad stigma about uh, mm. about it. It um, typically links to the children who struggles with their uh, behavior. Where in Max's case, it wasn't about behavior. It, mm. it was about his needs, which could not be met. So um, by law, local authority needs to provide education for a child who's been permanently excluded from school yeah. within six days from exclusion. So when this sixth day came um, and they told us that he's going to be placed in a PRU, as a parent, we said, he's not going there. It's mm. for naughty children. He's not naughty child. But then um, I had a really interesting phone call with someone from local authority, but not the one we, we fall into. Um, it was uh, where the school was placed. And um, the lady basically explained to me, she said, it's your choice not to put him in a, in a prue. But remember, if you don't place him in a prue, you will lose advocate for him. So you will be in this fight on your own. There will be no one to covering your back. So you might be sending emails and making phone calls, but as sad as it sounds and horrible as it sounds, you just will be ghosted. So um, me and my husband had to sit down and um, and make a decision. Mm-hmm. So we arranged a meeting with the head of school and we went to have a look and we met incredible people with incredible experience who said, this is what we do. This mm-hmm. is how it works. And you will be very uh, surprised how well yeah. he will do here. So we took Max there for half a day um, to experience the, the day. And then um, we agreed that um, we will start a school as of week after. Within two, three weeks, we could see massive difference oh. in Max. He was really settled. Mm-hmm. He was really, um, really happy to go in and come back home. Um, he was able to tell us how his day went. So all of a sudden, we started asking ourselves questions. We never had this situation back yeah. in a mainstream school. What happened? What was the difference? Yeah. And I'm going to answer your question now. Why do I think that they could not meet his needs in a mainstream school? It was lack of experience with mm-hmm. children like Max. Yes. So I'm a great believer that people should grow within the working environment but his teaching assistant who was assigned to Max actually was the lady who used to be a lunch lady. And as much I believe that she was great with the children, I don't think she had enough experience yeah. with the children but with the special needs. Particularly no professional experience, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so when the school, mainstream school, where he was struggling, was telling us, oh, he's just naughty child, he's doing this, he's doing that. We were like, it doesn't sit with us. Mm. We never see that behavior at home. How come it's happening at school? And it's just simply because they could not understand his needs. They could not find a way of communicating with him when he got frustrated. They couldn't find the triggers what made him him upset or what made him unsettled. Mm. We realized that actually they have no professional experience. And while he was still in a mainstream school, we were asking the school, how is it that you cannot prove to local authority that you can no longer yeah. support his needs? I mean, you know, you need to prove it to them so they can allow us to move him to, to special yes. needs school. So they, they submitted 
a review pack to local authority saying we can't do this, we can't do that. But the local authority came back and they declined a move to special needs school. And I said, why is that? What was in that report you've sent to local Mm. authority, which still did not provide enough information to show them that you you as a mainstream school? No. You don't see the report before? Oh, wow. Okay. And you can't see the communication either. Yeah, yeah. So... It, it actually, it was, it was such a hard work that uh, I ended up taking the role of school senko uh, on myself. So mm-hmm. I started writing in emails. I started chasing people. I started uh, making fo- phone calls, arranging meetings until I achieved the fact that I need to understand what, as a local authority, you need in order yeah. to approve his move to the special needs school. Mm-hmm. So then we found out that they actually needed um, exact uh, description of how many hours of speech and language therapy he needed and how far behind he actually was. So when I asked school, um, why don't you invite speech and language therapists? Why don't you invite um, educational psychologists? They said they have no funds for it. So I said, is that the only reason why you haven't done it by now? I mean, my child has been struggling for past two years in yeah. your in your care. And your only advice is he is struggling, but we can't fund his um, you know, specialist specialist assessments. So we ended up paying for speech and language therapy um assessment. We ended up paying for educational psychologist assessment. We also asked school to uh, submit referral for his um, uh, autism um, assessment. Mm-hmm. And as it happens, the, the list waiting list for autism assessment is at the moment through NHS three years. So we said we cannot wait that long. Mm. That was another thing which we had to privately pay. So I appreciate that not Every parent can do that because the situation is, you know, everything is so expensive. And we actually spent several thousands pounds on all those assessments. But it it, allows us to collect enough evidence for the local authority to show them this is where he is. He's a nine-year-old child who, as a psychologist, educational psychologist, is actually... um, working on a level of six-year-old child so the interesting Where thing is sorry to disturb you there i was just coming back to a, a point because you know the school and the local authority just came back and and rejected max moving into a special needs school but they didn't tell you initially it was because they didn't have the funds it was only when you started to work directly with senko and send the emails and demand yeah answers that you got to the actual bottom of it that it was a funding issue absolutely which is crazy if they had told you that in the very first place you yeah know, we would have it done a long time ago a lot sooner right wow that's yeah. incredible and i you know just come back to the fact that you know you then having to deal directly with senko send emails backward and forwards have a full-time job you know, I'm just thinking about the, you know, the stress and, and everything that you've gone through. And, 
you know, here's the crazy thing. I see you in the gym every morning, <laughs> happy as anything else, working hard. And I never would have thought that, you know, you were going through this level of stress. I mean, it was hell. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And mm. it's because everyone who's got a child understands that it's a unconditional love. It's the, mm. the love you never feel to anyone, to your partner, to your parent, to your pet. The, your child is, you would die for that child. Mm. And this is how I felt. Uh, and I, I'm a fighter. I, I yeah. try to achieve by knocking on the doors. You, you know, um, if they, if they um, close the door in front of me, I will try to get through yeah. in through the window. It's just because I know that, yeah, they keep repeating to me at school. They kept repeating, oh, um, the people who shout the loudest will get things done. But I felt like no matter how how um, hard I shouted, no matter how many mm -hmm. how many emails or phone calls I've made, um, it made no difference. And it was so frustrating that I could not see the the, the light at the end of the tunnel yeah. because it just felt like wherever I moved, someone put another obstacle in front of me. And um, we eventually got there, but it was three and a half years yeah. of absolute hell and. As you said, I've got a full-time job, but chasing school, local authority, and reading and learning about um, our situation, um, that became my another full-time job. Mm. And it was it was a massive challenge. And I came across of the parents as it happened. His um, in his mainstream school, one of the parents created a group, WhatsApp group where all the parents who, who had the children with the special needs could, um, you know, support each other, hmm. not necessarily bicker, not ne um, um, bicker, um, be negative about the school or show um, that um, our school didn't do this or didn't do that. It was more about supporting it, it, each other. This yeah. is our experience. This is what we've done in order to achieve a uh, next step. Hmm. And the school tried to shut this group down. <laughs> <laughs> because crazy. they saw it as they That's saw right. it as an enemy they yeah. thought that all the parents are talking about is um you know that the parents all of a sudden had those um expectations from school which could not be achieved and it wasn't about that there were parents who were just simply you know uh talking about oh this is the playgroup which can uh, you can you can go to for your yeah. child because um, it's someone who who runs the place for autistic children. Mm. And um, how about you try you know um, this service or, or simple things like that? It wasn't yeah. negativity about the school, but they still try to shut it down because they felt like we are enemy to school. Right. It just blows your mind that um, <laughs> school tries to not help. the parents um with a with a special needs children and even outside of that you know if the parents come together to create a support group it's unbelievable that the school would try to even close that absolutely down as well absolutely so and it instead of a school arranging some sort of meeting for all the parents with a with the same mm. children um and trying to support us yeah. um and show us that they want to work with us it actually felt they were working against us mm. which which was really upsetting because as a parent 
who doesn't want a perfect child? Yeah. Who doesn't want a child who wins games in a school yeah. and who, who comes home with a diploma every year? And who doesn't want this um, big achiever child? We all would. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, the perfection doesn't come in, in this way. You know, yeah. Max, to me, is perfect the way he is. Mm -hmm. But he will forever have these struggles. You know, he will forever yeah. struggle to understand the, the outside world. He will forever need the support of other people. And I think as a parent, you are the best advocate yeah. for your child. There and, is no you know, one who will who will do more. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, even though, you know, Matt, Max is autistic and he has attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but knowing that, as long as he gets the right level of support right throughout his life, he'll probably be perfectly fine. But Absolutely. It's, it's about getting that level of support. Now, obviously, three and a half years later, you've now managed to finally get him into a special needs school. Oh, yeah. I'm imagining that over that period of time, you have built up a level of knowledge and expertise yourself. You know oh, what absolutely. needs to be done. <laughs> So, you know, you can actually now probably help other people, right? You know the process. And you are, and you are so right. Uh, you are so right. I've done so much research. I've spoke to all the different uh, professionals. Um, I've um, contacted uh, parents with uh, children like Max. And um, I actually, seriously, I am considering to retrain to, to help people like us. Mm when they when they get to the stage uh like we did um and it's it's just it's been such a roller coaster of feelings and i wish we've known someone who would advise us what to expect what's going to happen along the way no one was there yeah. even school wasn't advising us correctly local authority could not be less interested in yeah. advice and so it was all about your own research and as lucky as I am, even though English is not my first language, I learn every day. And, mm. you know, sitting down in front of the computer every day and trying to find the answers, um, speak to professionals, if it was psychologist or a speech and language therapist, um, the psychologist who observed Max, um, where he received a, um, his autism diagnosis, you know, all these people help you to understand the needs. Yeah. But it's learning curve all the time. So I would love to be helping people who fall into the category we fell into, where you you haven't got a disabled child who's obvious, who's got an obvious disability, but it's a child whose mental state is not on the same level yeah. as his peers, and that's really upsetting because if Max had a really obvious disability and he would be on a wheelchair. I strongly believe that the, the approach from local authority would be completely different to mm -hmm. what it was uh, now. So it almost felt like we had to prove every single little thing to them yeah. that he's not able to speak properly, he's not able to understand, he's not working on a level, uh, same level as his peers. And it was quite upsetting because isn't it hard enough to have a child with special needs? why the life mm -hmm. needs to be even harder to prove these things, to get such a simple thing as education for him right. Yeah. 
But as you said, we finally achieved it. But we had to go as far as logging the uh, tribunal appeal against the local authority. That's crazy. So So we were prepared to go as far as that. mm -hmm. But luckily, I think I became such a nuisance to to (laughs) all involved parties because there wouldn't be a day I wouldn't be chasing, can I please have an update? Can you please tell me where we are with this? And I just became such a nuisance to every single one person who was dealing with Max's case that they realized actually all the evidence we provided to um, tribunal appeal prior to our final hearing, there was so much evidence for them to actually say, yes, he can be moved to special needs school. But somewhere in between, so we lodged an appeal last year in December but the final hearing hasn't been set until the December 2023. So oh. it takes a whole year yeah. before they can actually let you talk and hear you in a final hearing, what you've got to say and how much yeah. evidence you've got. But I was trying to explain to local authority, why don't you read through the evidence? Why can't we come to the agreement outside of the appeal? Mm-hmm. One way or another, we were going to win this appeal. And I made clear to them that they know that. Yeah. And I think that eventually they realized I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And one way or another, we are going to win this uh, appeal. And so when Max was four months in Peru and legal team who was representing Mac, um, local authority said, okay, Let's look at it uh, and and see what we can do. So they said, even though you named your special needs school as your priori school, you still haven't been offered a place. And I said, what does that mean? Um, They said, we have to organize for someone uh, from the school you named as um, your your final answer to to your Mm -hmm. special needs school to come and observe Max in his current setting. So they sent two ladies to come and, and uh, observe him. A few days later, we received an email letting us know from a legal team that um, special needs school we chose actually offered him a place wow. um, as of September. Amazing. So that was the first step going forward. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, half of the half of our mm. fight. We won it. And I said to a legal team, so now we've got um, a place in a school. Where are we going from here? And um lady said, um, well, now local authority to needs to give you permission uh, to offer him a placement in a special needs school. And I said, so what's the process for that? And they said, oh, well, they will just move it back into the panel for discussion. And um, um uh, and and they need through. to discuss uh, <laughs> if they can do it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so let's let's hear. So two weeks later, the panel sat down, and on the same day when they sat down, we had an uh, email uh, saying we are pleased to advise you that um, you Max is uh, fantastic. Max's placement has been uh, offered. Wow. So and that was just the, the the happiest news. I cried. Mm-hmm. I cried and and I and I wanted to run around like a crazy chicken uh, <laughs> because there was something you 
yeah. you fight for it for three and a half years and all of a sudden it's there and it's it, there. and I thought to myself you know it's I did not expect it but it was the best news we could yeah. we could all absolutely we fantastic. could all imagine yeah tell me um just a little <laughs> so, bit about Max I know we're coming up to the end of of this show but what is Max like? What is he like to do? What do you think he would love to do in, in the future? He must have some creativity or some oh, yeah. key things that he loves. Tell us a bit about that. Oh, um, Max is the, he's incredibly uh, creative child. So um, if I tell you that um, any slightly risen platform of the ground, he sees as a um, stage. So he will just stand up and perform. And he will perform until everyone is fed up and they can't take anymore, <laughs> but he will still keep going. Yeah. So he absolutely loves performing. And um, since he was um, uh, four years old, we signed him up for uh, stagecoach classes, which is uh, performance performing arts. So yeah. he learns how to um, act, how to sing, oh, how to dance. Wow. And from the beginning, that was the one organization who never seen him different. Yes. It was just such a, such a eye opener that, um, you know, they've been always so welcoming and mm -hmm. always so acceptant to his needs yeah. that uh, we never heard from them. Oh, he's too much hard work. Yeah. Um, come and pick him up or we can't, we can't deal with him. It was yeah. never such a thing. And, he was absolute uh, pleasure to them always. And and since, you know, he's nine now, so he's been doing stagecoach for five years. And wow. we can see that he thrives from that yeah. group. Um, and he absolutely loves uh, any kind of performance. And um, even though it can be really repetitive and <laughs> very tiring, <laughs> we sometimes don't even switch the telly on at home yeah. because he just stands out there and he <laughs> will be performing for us all over again. If I tell you, I've, uh, I've seen in the last couple of months Matilda about 500 <laughs> times, you wouldn't believe me. So um, he, he is just absolutely great child, but he's a child who will always be vulnerable. Of course. He's a child yeah. who will always need support, extra support. Yeah. He's a child who will always get it because yeah. um, I'm always on his side and I'm his biggest fan. And mm -hmm. my role as a parent, as a mum, is... Um, to never let him down and yeah. I, I like to believe that it will never happen yeah. so well you have done an amazing job you have been extremely uh tenacious in fighting for his needs I think um you know what you've learned will help many many people and it's just fantastic that you know you're looking at that as one of the next things that you want to do is to to learn more about it so that you can you can help other people and I can only imagine that there's probably a lot of parents in similar situations who may have just accepted what the local authority have told them about their child and not have a place and they've had nowhere to turn to or, or to go. So we need more people like you for sure. Um, Alex, mm -hmm. I like to say, you know, well done. Congratulations. You're a fantastic mum uh, to Max. And Thank you. I wish you. And Max in particular in his new school, every success. This sounds like a, a real happy ending, but as you quite rightly mentioned, you know, he's going to need this support ongoing. And I know that you're going to be behind him all the way. So well done. And I thank will. You. Thank you. <laughs>
Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, and I know that many people listening will hopefully resonate with it and learn something from it. So once again, I'd like to say uh, thank you and good luck. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. That's a real pleasure. Okay, you take care. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Diversity Matters. We hope that through our discussions, we have brought a deeper understanding of what equity, diversity and inclusion truly means for each of us. Remember that the journey to a truly inclusive and equitable world is ongoing. Let's continue to champion these values in our lives and strive for positive change together. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to like and subscribe the show on your favorite podcast channel. And we look forward to joining us on the next episode. And remember, inclusion, equity and diversity matters.